Hey, I want to thank Courage to Lead for sponsoring this month's podcast. Courage to Lead is led by a friend of mine and my personal coach, a guy by the name of Sean Lovejoy. He has been a real estate developer, a church planner, mega church pastor, and now the CEO of a fast-growing coaching and consulting organization. Sean's been a guest on the podcast, and I've gotten to know he and several of his coaches that help pastors and business leaders all across the country. And recently, I was invited to join their team to be one of their coaches. Listen, I've just learned this over time. You can only get so far on your own know-how and own interest intellect, wisdom, experience, and smarts. You need someone that can coach you and help you see the things that you cannot see. And Sean has done that for me, and their coaches have done that for countless leaders and pastors. And now I'd like to do that for you as well. So if you'd like to inquire about either me being your coach or receiving a coach, contact me at pastorrustygeorge.com, and you can click the link there to find out more information. If you'd like to just go to Courage to Lead to find out more about what they do, you can go to couragetolead.com, a great world-class coaching organization helping you build a killer team and grow your organization. I'm so excited to be a part of their organization, and I would love to meet you there. Thank you to Courage to Lead for all that you do for leaders and all that you've done for me. Following Jesus isn't always easy, but it's not complicated. Join us each week as we work to make faith simple. This is Simple Faith. Hey, welcome to Simple Faith. My name is Rusty George. I want to thank Courage to Lead for sponsoring our podcast. I'm so honored to be part of their coaching network and team. If you'd like to find out more about that, you can check it out at PastorRustyGeorge.com for more information. But today, we get to hear from Dave Phillips. Dave is an incredible guy who started an organization called Children's Hunger Fund. And instead of me telling you all about it, I'm going to let him tell you about it. And you're going to see how we can make seeing the impact of God simple in our lives. Jesus said, whoever gives someone a hot meal, a cold cup of water, a set of clothes, all those kind of things, you have impacted Jesus and thus the kingdom. And in simple acts like that, we see what Dave's doing through Children's Hunger Fund. I think you're going to want to be a part of it with great, great places to do that, uh, both in Southern California and in Texas that impact around the world. So here's my conversation with Dave Phillips. All right, Dave Phillips, thank you so much for joining us on Simple Faith. Hey, for our listeners that don't know you, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and and how you got into this job and what you're doing. Sure. A uh, little background. Uh, Dave Phillips, uh, born and raised in uh, Southern California, and uh, my wife, Len, and I will be married 35 years in January. Uh we have four adult boys. Our number two son and daughter-in-law are having uh, twin girls in about three weeks, so we're going to become grandparents soon. And uh, as far as uh, what I do, I'm the founder and president of Children's Hunger Fund, and um, we're in our 32nd year of ministry, so lots to tell there. Wow. Okay. So I, I, I want to jump right into that. But first of all, I, I'm just doing the math here. You were married for three years and then you decide to start Children's Hunger Fund. I mean, just the 
the life uh, stress involved there, married, you know, starting out in life, and hey, let's start a business or a nonprofit in your case. What were the dynamics there? Obviously, it was it was quite small in the beginning stages. It's not the organization it is now, but was this a you and your wife said, hey, let's do this, or more of a your dream, and she supported you, or hey, you know, how did this idea come about? Yeah, it was probably more of my dream that Lynn supported. Um, I, it was never part of the plan, Rusty. I just, uh, uh, my background, um, very briefly, grew up in a Christian home that was very missions-minded, and mm. Um, I grew up in a home where we had missionaries in our house all the time, one of six kids, um, loved the interaction with missionaries. I loved the, the stories of the jungle and the monkeys and all the God stories that come with that, but never felt called to ministry myself. And so I went off to college pursuing international banking, um, really believing I wanted to be with a guy that wrote the big checks for the kingdom. And, uh, you know, leave the kingdom work for somebody else. But uh, that isn't what God had in store for me. Uh, shortly after graduating from college, um, I, I took a missions trip down to Honduras and Guatemala. And I, I see that as the seed that God planted to start me on the journey that became Children's Hunger Fund. Um, just to share a quick testimony, I was probably about 23, 24 years old at the time. And in Honduras, I was tasked to go visit a, uh, a facility that uh, was run by a missionary couple. It was a small home uh, adjacent to the one pediatric hospital in the capital city of Honduras. And uh, this missionary couple would take in children that were deemed terminal by the hospital and had a few days of life to live. And their sole task was to share Christ with them before they passed away. And the day I visited that facility, there were about 60 children there, all under six years old, uh, thin, frail, all had lost their hair. And uh, this mm. couple didn't even have enough money, money and funds to feed the children, let alone provide uh, basic pain relievers to make them comfortable. And as I visited that facility, God just wrecked me. And I, I came back to Los Angeles convinced I was going to move down to Honduras and become an advocate for this facility. I uh, met with my pastor and some other men that I really respected, and, and, and I'm a pretty much an emotional flatliner, but, uh, you know, they, they kind of said, you know, maybe God's putting a bigger vision on your heart. Don't move down to Honduras. Stay in the States and maybe see what God does with this vision. So I did. Um, Three more years go by, I get married to Len during that time frame, and I can't stop thinking about these kids in Honduras. And um, I actually pivoted. I never really got into international banking. I went to work for a nonprofit in South Central Los Angeles and had a chance to start a feeding program uh, to really help uh, families that lived in the low-income housing projects of South Central Los Angeles. And there I got exposed to seeing what a powerful tool food can be for the gospel uh, if it's used by the church and it's used in the right way. And so these things are going on uh, for, for two, three years. And I remember it was the summer of 1991. Uh, we were just getting into a recession. Um, Lynn and I were just about to start a family, buy our home, do everything that you know new new couples do. And I come home on a Friday. It's it's Fourth uh, of July weekend, 
And I tell Lynn, I said, I think I need to quit my job. Hmm. And she goes, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. I, I just got to do something different. I feel like God has something more for us as a family. And I, I just kept t- thinking about these children in Honduras that um, I knew that there were opportunities to um, engage the church in places like Honduras that were, had a heart to care for children in poverty but they were under-resourced. And I thought, you know, what if we could create an organization that could become a, a channel between the wealth of corporate America and the philanthropy of corporate America and channel that to churches here at home and around the world? Um, what if God could do something like that? And so we go away that weekend and uh, we ended up going to Phoenix to visit my sister, which is again, about a six hour drive. and. Uh, as we're driving out there, we're just praying for God's direction, and we come home from that weekend pretty much with uh, convinced that this is what God had for us. We kind of had the name and the basic mission statement for Children's Hunger Fund laid out, and uh, the basic plan back then was I just viewed CHF as more of a, a conduit. I, f- I was confident I could go to corporate America and secure donations of food and other resources, and I thought, man, we should we should get these resources and and try to get the churches in our local community uh, to get outside the four walls and to engage uh, the poverty pockets in our city, uh, and then more importantly, uh, or maybe equally as importantly, uh, thinking about these kids in places like Honduras. You know, I thought we could get some resources to care for these kids in Honduras or care for orphan kids in Mexico or, or do a handful of you know, international projects as God provided, um, never envisioning that CHF would become what it is today. Hmm. So you have this big idea, you jump into it, and this it seems like it's the way it, it always begins for people. I mean, the, the great startups talk about the big vision of what they wanted to accomplish, but a lot of times it starts off, hey, I just want to do a little bit, and then it keeps growing and growing and growing. So Tell us where CHF is today, what it is you guys do, obviously far greater than you could have ever asked or imagined, but the scope is incredible. So give us the where are we now picture. Let, let me maybe start with um, what it was at the beginning and how we got to where we are today. Um, okay. Because when we started, again, we started in our garage. Um the plan was that Lynn was a school teacher. She would keep working. We'd put our family plans on hold a little bit. And she just stood with me and said, if God's in this, you know, if it takes two years, five years, you know, let's just see what God does. So the initial vision was really small. Uh, we wanted to serve churches in the San Fernando Valley, which um, the first 30 years of our life was a white suburb community that became a what it is today, a melting pot of minority families that were really underserved in terms of the needs of the poor and wanted to work with local churches and and then thought we'd do some international projects caring for children in poverty. Um, But here's what God did Uh, on day one, just before we started, we were in the process of getting incorporated and I got a call from this missionary down in Honduras and he said, Dave, we just got these seven children that came into the hospital. And if we don't get this one particular cancer drug, uh, these children have no chance at life. And 
Well, I'm not a pharmacist. I don't have a medical background. And I just asked him the name of this cancer drug. And I remember it was a word about 20 letters long I couldn't pronounce. And I wrote it down on a piece of paper. And uh, I said, you know, let me try and see if I can find the drug. And so uh, we prayed together. And I, I hung up the phone. And, you know, back then, you know, you had to actually hang up the phone. And as I hung it up, uh, the receiver was still on my hand and the phone rings again. And there's this gentleman on the other end of the phone. And uh, he said he's with the company back east. And he goes, I've got this really unusual donation and I'm looking to place it with the children's organization. And I said, well, what is it? And he said, it's a cancer drug for children. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, you gotta be kidding. I, I go, what's the name of the drug? And it matched identically what was on this piece of paper. Unbelievable. And, and Rusty, I, I just, you know, tears welled up. I'm like, what is God doing? And this gentleman went on and said, Dave, this is a huge donation. We have 48,000 vials of this drug. Street value, it's worth about $8 million. And if you can place it, we'll airlift it anywhere around the world at our expense if you can place it with children's hospitals and clinics. And, <laughs> and so we, I, spent, I spent the next two days, I called every medical mission I knew of. I looked up so many and, you know, in the in the phone book, and God placed that drug in 20 different countries. And mm. I, I share that story because I cannot put into words what that did for me and Len and our faith journey. Uh, for mm -hmm. I, I, What I love about God is when you take a step of faith, he, he doesn't cut you off at the knees. You know, He comes alongside you. He undergirds that vision. And that's what He did for us. And uh, it wasn't just the faith uh, element that uh, that impacted my life and Lynn's life. It, it, God taught us so much about his character in that moment that we can trust him and his faithfulness. But even more so, God showed me in that moment that he had a bigger vision for Children's Hunger Fund. Uh, maybe it was never even about these seven kids in Honduras, that uh, maybe God had a global vision for CHF. If I could just stay out of his way and let God do what he wants to do and, and just see what God does with CHF. And Rusty, that's been the CHF story for 32 years of just sitting back in amazement mm. of watching God work and watching God do incredible things. So with that as background, so what is CHF today? Um, so Children's Hunger Fund is a resource to the local church. Uh, we come alongside churches that have a heart to engage poor children and families in relationships. So churches across the United States, mm. and we're now in 31 developing countries. And our model looks the same anywhere we work. We try to identify networks of gospel-centered churches that have a passion to evangelize the poor, to disciple them in their newfound faith, and to do it through the method of home delivery of food. So everything for us starts with a small box of food that we call a food pack. Uh, you can see them over my shoulder here. Um, it's a small child-focused box that has about 15 food items that gets hand-delivered by a trained pastor or a volunteer from a local church mm. that, makes, that engages this family and child in a relationship. They're in the home every week, and twice a month uh, the food packs are delivered, and then twice a month, we ask the church to go with no food pack. So just for the purpose of building a trust relationship. And mm. uh, the amazing thing about what takes place in the home is that a pastor goes into the home and says, hey, 
you know, it's usually the mom that's home and goes, um, you know, I'm with a local church. I don't know if you have a need, but we'd love to meet, you know, the need of your, your family. Can you use some food? And the mom usually says, sure. And so that pastor hands that first box to uh, that first child. And before that that child, uh, two seconds goes by, he's got the flap open and, and he's looking what's in there. And we intentionally put fruit gummies right on top of the box because I haven't met a kid anywhere around the world that doesn't love fruit gummies. And so that that kid's got a big smile on his face. And then the siblings are looking over his shoulder. What's in there? Do you have a box for me? And, and the pastor says, yeah, I've got a box for each one of you. And in that 60-second transaction, that mom or dad now looks at the pastor and says, you just loved on my kids. Why are you here? Hmm. And it's an instant opportunity to start the gospel conversations that can take place between a member of that church or a pastor of the church and with this family that's living in poverty. So that's what we do. Los Angeles, across the uh, America and select cities, uh, particularly in Texas, uh, we're got distribution centers in Dallas, San Antonio, and Los Angeles. And hmm. in June, we just launched Going National. We've added churches in 10 new states in the last four months. So we're just growing at a clip that's unbelievable. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let me interrupt this podcast to just remind you about CourageToLead.com, a great organization that is helping leaders build killer teams. And I'm happy to announce that I am now part of their organization, helping pastors and business leaders. If you'd like to learn more about me being your coach or finding a different coach, just check it out at my website, pastorrustygeorge.com for more information. All right, back to the show. Okay, talk to me, because this is one of the things I was most fascinated by, the partnership with the local church. I just love this, because it really does help build the relationship with people in your community. Um, For churches that are close to some of these distribution centers, Talk about how they can volunteer or serve or even be part of an experience that helps them engage with what it is that you're doing. So if the church is uh, local, uh, close enough to us in Los Angeles, Dallas, or San Antonio, there's several ways the church can engage. We have churches that bring uh, their youth groups in, they, they bring their adult Sunday school classes in to come and volunteer. Uh, we have volunteer work days multiple times a week where uh, we encourage them to come in and, and assemble food packs and, and, and help us prepare uh, the food that will be ultimately given to churches that will use it in their, in their home delivery program. Uh, in Los Angeles, we also have a, uh, an exhibit that we built uh, on global poverty called the Poverty Encounter. Uh, it's been open now just about five years, and that's a 75-minute uh, immersive experience that we have churches and corporations and the general public that goes through. And that's an experience where it was really designed for students to educate them on the reality of global poverty, some of the challenges that children living in poverty have. And it really is created to introduce that that visitor or guest to the fact that God is a personal God. He loves the poor, and so should we. And God's instrument for change in the life of the poor is the local church. And so we have these immersive sets that um, demonstrate different aspects of poverty. Uh, We show a child that lives in a trash dump and talk about hunger and malnutrition. We have another set that's a recreation of the earthquake in Haiti and talk about what education looks like for a child in that environment. 
Hmm. And in every in every immersive set, we introduce the, the local church and how the church comes alongside and cares for kids and families in crisis. Um, but churches that are outside of our area, uh, you can go online and, and fill a food pack virtually. You can fill a food pack by having us ship an empty case pack to you, and you can fill it as a family or a Bible study or as a church. We have Project Food Pack uh, opportunities going on around the country all the time. Mm. Uh, we just did one in Dallas this last week where a church filled 15,000 food packs for us. So, mm. uh, so many ways churches can engage. But ultimately, we, we really want to encourage churches not just to be a resource for the poor, but to consider engaging the poor directly. If they're in an area where there are pockets of poverty and there's a heart to serve those families and to engage them in a relationship, and if the church is equipped and educated their congregation to uh, integrate the poor into their, their church family, then we'd love to partner with them and help resource them to be successful. Mm, that's so good. You know, you've been doing this now for 32 years. What what has God done in your heart? Obviously, it's been a tremendous faith journey and stories like, uh, you know, phone calls from people saying, I need this cancer drug to phone calls of, how do I get rid of this cancer drug? Those things increase your faith. But there've got to be so many little mile markers along the way where you've learned about the faithfulness of God. W- what has God done in your heart um, over the last 32 years in just your understanding of God's provision for the poor, his heart for the poor, where the local church should be uh, connected with the poor. Just walk us through kind of where you are right now, spiritually speaking, because for many of us, it's just, oh, there's people that are hurting somewhere else, but I got my own problems to deal with. Yeah, Rusty, I I think um, when I reflect on my own spiritual journey the last 32 years, um, I count it such a privilege to be a part of an organization that I think is really in a sweet spot uh, because uh, we serve the local church and scripture is so clear and how much God loves his bride, the church. And the other sweet spot is it's so clear that God, um, God is the father to the fatherless. He has such a special place in his heart for children that have been disadvantaged, have been orphaned, that have been abused, that have been abandoned, uh, God just just has a special place in his heart for uh, for that population of in our world. And for us to be able to serve that population uh, through the vehicle of the local church, um, I, I know that we get to see the heart of God on display in ways that most people never get to see. And so, yeah, I've learned a lot about God's character. I've learned to trust his character. Uh, the Bible is so clear that if God says he's faithful— he can only act one way. He has to be faithful. Mm-hmm. If God says he's merciful and just and gracious, then he's going to act that way. And so I, for 32 years, I've had the, the blessing of just witnessing that on such a large scale. I, I, I think of so many times over the last 30 years where I've been overwhelmed by the magnitude of poverty. I've been overwhelmed by the brokenness that sin creates in the heart of man and and how that sinfulness touches the life of innocent children. I remember back 30 years ago when communism fell in the former Soviet Union, we had a chance to go over and 
spent two or three weeks in visiting all of the, the state-run orphanages um, that uh, were just in need of food. And we were uh, invited into these orphan homes to, if we provided food, that we could come in and bring the gospel and, and have the churches come in and share the gospel with us. And so um, this one event where we were over there, it was October, and I probably visited 30 or 40 orphanages. And every single orphanage director said the same thing, Rusty. They said, you know, the winter is coming, the government's going to cut off the heat, and our kids, many of them won't survive the winter. Mm. You need to do something to help. And after hearing that 35 or 40 times, I, I was flying home from Russia and just with a broken heart, crying out to God, going, Lord, this problem is so much bigger than, than us. How can we help? And I remember coming home and uh, the next day I got home and the first thing I did was go into the office and there was a, a fax sitting in my fax machine um, from a, a company that we all know, Hanes, that makes, you know, underwear and t-shirts. And uh, Hanes just in this fax said, Dave, we just had this overrun of product where the coloring of the product is a little off and we can't sell it, hmm. but want to know if you could use it. And it was 2 million sets of children's long underwear. 2 million. <laughs> and it, it was something like 100 semi-loads. And over the next two winters, we were able to place that in every orphanage throughout the former Soviet Union. And it was all distributed by local churches, working with, with wow. other Christian ministries. And that was done on a scale that I would have never imagined. Who can, who's able to do that? You know, in our humanness, that isn't even possible. Hmm. But in God, all things are possible. And, you know, that that's just one example of some of the things that God has done in recent years. You know, I, I think of COVID, right? And, uh, you know, about a month before COVID hit, um, I just had a sense that it was, it was going to become something on a large scale. And if it did, if it was a global issue, that the poor was really going to be hit the hardest. And, uh, and we go into COVID about six weeks before COVID. We're running about a million dollars behind on our budget and coming up on our fiscal year end. And um, not knowing what's going to happen, we're thinking, man, maybe we're going to have to cut you know, staff by 30 40%. And I remember just praying to God and saying, Lord, you've been on this journey with us for 30 years, and I don't know why you would abandon us now. Uh, is there anything, any way you could put us in a position, not just to, to survive COVID, but could you put us in a position to thrive and mm. to serve your, your church around the world, knowing there's going to be needs? And uh, Rusty, there was so much that God did um, in the month of March and April, uh, what was that, 2020, when COVID hit, um, we needed to raise something like $2 million to make budget in the last five five weeks of the year. And God brought in almost $7 million. Wow. And it put, it put us in a position to be generous uh, at a time when most ministries weren't able to be generous. And right. um, the other thing that God did in the months, uh, the first quarter of that year, uh, we had all these large churches filling food packs for us. And all three of our distribution centers had more inventory of food packs than we've ever had in our history. I mean, we had tens of thousands of food packs. And 
Uh, Lynn reminds me, I came home one day from work and I was kind of frustrated. I said, I don't understand why our warehouses are overloaded with food packs. We're not a warehouse. We're a distribution center. You know, our staff needs to get these things out to the churches. And and Lynn was like, well, what are you going to do about it? And I go, look, I trust my team. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll take care of it. And then COVID hits. And during COVID, those first several months, we couldn't fill one food pack. We couldn't bring any volunteers into our, our facility to package food packs. Churches weren't gathering. There was no capacity to get food packs. And so those food packs, God stretched for a 10-month period Wow, where we, we didn't miss one delivery date to our churches in the U.S. or around the world. Uh, every single one of our international church partnerships, we had to pivot to an in-country purchase model rather than shipping food packs. And God just accomplished all that in, in less than 30 days once COVID hit. And uh, there were so many miracles that God did in that. But in addition to that, what God did in corporate America, um, right after COVID hit, we couldn't find food anywhere. Uh, we were calling all of our food manufacturers. They're like, man, you know what's going on with Costco. You know, everything's going out the back door as fast as it comes in. So we're selling not only all of our our merchandise, but even the short dated product is going out. So if you want food and you want to purchase it, it might take us six months to fulfill your purchase orders. And mm. that's the way we walked into COVID. And about four weeks into it, probably the end of April, um, one day Nestle Food called us. The next day Dole Food calls us and then Del Monte. And they said, Dave, all the national restaurants are closed. All the chains are closed. And we've got shiploads of food we don't know what to do with. Wow. Can you guys use it? And I, I remember, I think it was Dole Foods said, you know, we can give you 1,800 pallets a week for the next 20 weeks. And uh, <laughs> we started getting food on a scale that was unprecedented. Um during that year, um, in fact, in the last three years, our corporate gifts of food donations have gone from about $40 million a year to last year, I think we distributed $155 million worth of food. Mm. And that food provided over 100 million meals to children in, uh, through church distributions across the U.S. and on a global basis. And wow. That's just, that's just God being faithful. That's God demonstrating his heart for the poor, his heart for that child that um, has been victimized by what's going on in our world. And that's the God we serve, Rusty. And I'll, I'll brag about my God all day long because mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think the biggest thing that God has taught me in 30 years is God is so much bigger uh, than, than what you and I can even imagine. And he wants to put himself on display. Uh, it's just that we often don't give him that opportunity to do that. Wow. Well, he's certainly doing that with Children's Hunger Fund. Thank you for these incredible stories, Dave. This is not only uh, exciting, but it's faith building for all of us who are thinking about, man, I haven't seen God do a work in my life or you know, in my church or whatever, but God is working and it's just a matter of us allowing him to put himself on display. I love that phrase. Hmm. Uh, thank you for all that you're doing and for the way that you partner with local churches as opposed to thinking that it's all on your shoulders and we've got to do our own thing. We get to partner together, which is so fun. 
I appreciate it, Rusty. And I was going to share one last thing with you now being in the Dallas area. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but we just purchased 10 acres of land uh, just north of Dallas. And we're going to be building a large volunteer center and our second poverty encounter exhibit. So uh, great. Uh, Dallas, here we come. And we're going to have great opportunities in a couple of years for uh, even more engagement with churches like yours. And looking forward to what God has for us. Well, that's fantastic. Look forward to be a part of that one as well. So Dave, thank you for being on the podcast and thank you for all you're doing and for making God famous. And we're so grateful that we get to be in partnership with you. Uh, Thanks for the opportunity. I'm grateful. Well, thank you so much, Dave. So appreciative of all that you do through Children's Hunger Fund and the way you bless so many families and lives. And we've just really been thrilled to be a partner of yours over the years uh, at Real Life Church. And we're excited for what we get to do in Texas now. Hey, next week, we're going to be back with a special episode that really isn't just for everybody. In fact, this is not an all-skate. This is just for leaders, especially pastors, who want to get better. Um, How's that for a tease? You're going to love to hear this conversation next week with a good friend of mine. So uh, until then, thank you to Courage to Lead, and we will talk to you next week. Share this with a friend, and as always, keep it simple.